thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Okay, and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and today I have someone you've probably probably heard of. He's uh, the guy that pretty much got me into, or he did get me into uh, podcasting and, and this podcast. Um, it's Dr. Brett Hill, who's the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, author, podcaster, chiropractor, paleo advocate, and barefoot running legend. Welcome, Brett. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on board. I feel like I run way too slow to be called a barefoot running legend, but I'll take it. Well, legends are normally, you know, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be fast. They're just they're good at what they do. They can, you know, teach what they do. Isn't that what a legend is? <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, mate. I'll take it. I like it. But Brett and I have known each other for a little while now, just through kind of through podcasting and, and chatting about health, wellness. Um, and yeah, it was through knowing Dr. Brett that we're at one of the Wellness Couch events and, and had a bit of a, a chat and he really pushed me to, well, not push, that's probably a bit of the wrong wording. But no, pushed. He pushed me into, <laughs> uh, <laughs> into uh, looking into podcasting and the Wellness Couch obviously was um, the platform that I wanted to join. It's a great community, great platform to be a part of. And I'm really, really glad you got me into this, Brett. So first and foremost, thank you so much for for helping me start this podcasting journey. It's been fun so far and I'm looking forward to doing it for hopefully a lot longer if people keep listening <laughs> to me. But <laughs> oh, thank well, you. You're welcome, mate. Like, thank you for saying yes because, you know, I was pretty selfish in the why I wanted to say yes because I'm like, this stuff is great. I love the stuff you do. And, uh, you know, I often find myself talking about barefoot stuff, but I'm like, wouldn't it be great if there was someone who was an absolute expert in the area who could just answer all the questions and then I could just push everyone towards them and they could answer all the questions for me and uh, and I could listen in and find out all the stuff that I want to find out about. So it was purely selfish. So I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> so now the truth comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so I got uh, Brett on today. I wanted to talk about um, the barefoot running legend status. I feel, yeah. I mean, some of our chats in the past have been awesome and inspiring. I always learn a lot from from Brett as well um, around, yeah, barefoot health and, and running. So we want to chat about that today. But first I thought maybe you can just introduce yourself um, as well, Brett, just a little bit of your backstory and um, and a bit about your barefoot running legend status. I know <laughs> maybe you could talk about your city to bay run a few years ago. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely talk about that. So, you, yeah, mate. I guess, yeah. Um, you know, my health journey, I guess, started from a point of, um, you know, I was never someone who was sort of terribly unsick, uh, sorry, who was terribly sick, uh, but I was never unsick either. I, I was kind of probably your classic Western diet, your classic Western lifestyle uh, where, you know, it, it had never, it hadn't caused any huge ramifications for me. I wasn't, uh, you know, suffering any chronic diseases or anything like that, but I just sort of wasn't being as good as I could be. And so, you know, for me, that led to uh, finding out about chiropractic, which sort of changed the way I thought about health um, and got me into a bit more of a, I guess, a vitalistic uh, view of health where I was looking at, you know, rather than looking at how the body goes wrong and what we can do about trying to patch it up and fix it and do it better, 
we're sort of starting to look more at what the body does when it works right and you know why it isn't working right anymore and what we can do to help encourage the body to work the way that it's designed to because um, you know the whole sort of chiropractic philosophy is is around the intelli- the innate intelligence of the body and understanding that in order to be healthy your body doesn't really need, really need any help it just needs no interference and, and that our modern lifestyles are just you know, massively interfering with that healthy functioning and, and normal functioning of the body and so you know, that led me on a bit of a journey, I guess, to uh, you know looking at things like the paleo diet and looking at more functional fitness and um, and getting into it from that perspective. But it also eventually, slowly, led me to looking at my footwear and my orthotics and my shoes as well. Because from the age of about thirteen, I think uh, I got you know I had a little bit of knee pain, um, so I got you know the doctor sent me to the podiatrist who said you need to wear these orthotics, and you know that was pretty much it. You know you you need to wear these every day of your life for the rest of your life and uh, you know, every now and then you need to come in and update them and get a newer, better model and a different style and whatever it was. Um, but that was kind of pretty much it. And uh, and so for me, it was kind of – I feel like it almost took me an embarrassingly long time to start questioning that. Like, you know, I was into natural health. I was doing paleo. I was doing functional fitness. I was a chiropractor. Uh, but it wasn't until probably I'd been in practice for maybe five or six years. I was about 30. So I had had these orthotics for – say 17 years, that some, someone said something that just made me kind of question it, you know, and, and all of a sudden, and, and I think the comment from someone was uh, essentially saying, well, you know, you wouldn't, as a chiropractor, if someone had a back problem, you wouldn't just put them in a back brace for the rest of their life and tell them to go on their life. Mm. And I went, no, of course not. I'd want them to get their back functioning right and build up the strength of their muscles and stability and ligamentous support and all these sort of things. Like, of course, that's the approach I would take. And I'm like, well, why don't you do that with your feet? And I'm like, Ah, oh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? That makes so much sense. And so uh, that led me kind of down this approach. And so I went and saw a podiatrist locally here in Adelaide, uh, and they took like a bit more of a functional approach towards the feet, which was awesome. Um, they weren't totally on board with this whole idea of going barefoot, but I sort of managed to twist their arm and convince them that pretty much I was going to do it that way anyway so they either kind of helped me or they didn't yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so they then said okay let's you know let's have a look and let's see what we can do so you know over the course of I don't know uh, a few months a few years we sort of worked together got some mobility back into my feet I mean I can remember my feet uh, I was just actually looking looking at my feet yesterday actually this is so bizarre totally unrelated to this conversation but I was but my toes used to be so bent under each other like they were all bent and bent under each other that but I actually had like big divots in the side of each of the toes because they'd been so hard, like they pushed mm. against each other so hard, they just kind of were permanently that way. Um, and so they look kind of different now, which is quite cool. Um, I'm still, I've got to talk to you about this after. I still <laughs> find my big toe still hyper, it extends up a little bit. And uh, I've started doing some um, like kind of yoga sort of stuff. And I think it's helping and stretching it out, which is kind of cool. But anyway, my feet look way better than they did before. And, um, I think I got sidetracked then. Uh, and anyway, I, I, I ended up kind of uh, thinking this makes a whole lot of sense, started researching more into it, you know, started reading books like I read Born to Run. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people sort of start with that one and realize that, you know, there's these crazy people out there who run a long way and don't wear any shoes or wear minimal shoes and seem to do it really well. Mm. And, uh, you know, started looking into stuff from, uh, you know, uh, other experts in the area, you know, looking at stuff from Kelly Starrett, looking at stuff from Danny Dreyer um, and others who were talking about, you know, different styles and techniques of barefoot running and how actually, 
you know, it may actually be more natural and it may even be healthier and it might help you run faster and you might actually get less injuries. And, you know, as I'm sure you're aware and have probably spoken about the, you know, as far as the hard research out there, uh, you know, it's probably not conclusive yet to say that that's the case, but it does make a whole lot of sense. And uh, But it's also and- not that conclusive to say that, Thick and cushioned healed Absolutely. shoes are better yeah. either. But there's nothing Absolutely. really to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, as you would know, as always, uh, if you sort of support the status quo without any research, you can kind of get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. if, if you want to say something different without any research, then all of a sudden it's a massive issue. Yeah. And so I always just like to, you know, just uh, cover all bases and protect myself from trouble and say, you know, I know there's not all of the research out there yet. It's, it's starting to get there. Mm. And, uh, and I think, you know, my take on it is always that in the absence of the absolute best available research to say conclusively either way, it kind of makes the most sense to say, well, what did we do naturally? What did we do from an evolutionary perspective? What did we evolve to do? Because mm. um, in the long run, when you look over history, um, you know, even when the presence of research sometimes saying that that's not right, uh, it tends to end up getting proven right in the long run. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I always tend to have a bias in that direction. And um, so, yes, yeah, so I started getting into the more natural running approaches. Uh, the more I started to do it, the more I started to get people asking me about it. And so I would sort of start helping people out. And, you know, I can remember a couple of chiropractic colleagues of mine and taking them down to the park and, you know, running them through some stretches and exercises and technique stuff and, and sort of teaching them how to do it. And so, um, yeah, I ended up running, uh, you know, barefoot running uh, courses. I was, I was doing those sort of all over Australia. We did them in, in lots of different states as we were traveling around with our wellness couch um, events. Um, and then eventually realized that that was just was too hard <laughs> with the running events and, you know, family. And, you know, I was always trying to get in and out for the events quickly so I could get back to the family. And so uh, I made it into an online course as well, which was pretty awesome. You know, we got to do some cool interviews. Uh, like I said, Danny Dreyer, Kelly Starr, this really awesome podiatrist called Paul Thompson. He was on there. Chad, I was on there. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of my journey. But uh, I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking and I'm stopping. But you, you did ask about the... Um, the city to bay that was kind of yeah. a fun experience and i know one of the things you wanted to talk about was sort of a uh, transition um and so i have a little bit of a story about transition from that event because the, the city to bay in adelaide is a 12k fun run you know for you in sydney probably similar to the city to surf which is obviously a little bit longer we're a bit softer in adelaide we only go 12ks i think you guys <laughs> go about 14ks and, and ours is much less hilly it's kind of a nice gentle decline down to the beach which is lovely um, but it is 12Ks and it's on kind of rough bitumen. And so I decided that I would do that without any shoes at all just for, you know, just to show that it could be done and and also to do it as a bit of a fundraiser. So I was raising some money for spinal research. But I tried to do it the first year um, and I only allowed myself about six weeks to prepare for it. So um, I'd been doing running, but I hadn't been doing any running without shoes. I'd been wearing my barefoot shoes, but not no shoes at all. And, uh, and so I tried to go from naught to 12 kilometers in – six weeks and uh, it all started off okay i sort of started doing about half a kilometer then a kilometer got up to three six i got up to nine kilometers and ended up with this massive blood blister on the ball of my foot (laughs) about the size probably a bit bigger than a 50 cent piece and about you know half a centimeter thick and uh, and it was really really uncomfortable which was pretty unfortunate because not only was i going to run the city to bay for this uh fundraiser i was also uh, at the time, president of the Chiropractic Association here in South Australia, and we were taking a whole group of the public on a fun run, uh, on a group run with us for the City to Bay. So, 
that was a little bit awkward. I ended up actually wearing my shoes that year and then trying again the next year. And uh, But the next year, I allowed myself more time, gradually built up into it, running around the local suburb, which was fun because you always get good reactions from people when they see you running. Um, less fun when it was gum nut season and all of a sudden there were gum nuts all over the footpath, which are probably about the most uncomfortable thing when you're barefoot running. And... Um, but I built up slowly and it was absolutely fine. Even though Anzac Highway, which is the road that it goes down in Adelaide, is a very under-looked-after road, a very rough road. Um, as I found out, it was much rougher than the bitumen I'd been training and practicing on. Uh, but nevertheless, I got to the end of the 12 kilometers, no blisters, no blood blisters, not even really any abrasion on my feet. It just Everything was just totally normal, which was really cool. And, uh, and it was a very entertaining run because the whole way along the run, as I went past people or as they went past me, all I could hear over and over again was people going, what the F? <laughs> which, was just, which was just very amusing. I really enjoyed it. So, um, so that was my experience of running totally barefoot. Um, I also did other runs uh, at that time uh, with my barefoot shoes. So I did the Adelaide Marathon. I did a, ultra, a 56K ultra marathon in my barefoot shoes. And uh, and that was just really cool, really great, fun experience, and, and just kind of nice How to be able to show. Fifty k, fifty six. Wow. Yeah, that was a good one, and that's through the Adelaide Hills too. So it's very, very up and down. That, that one's called the the Yarra Villa Ultra Marathon. They're everywhere now. Ultra marathons. There's so many. They're gone just about every weekend here in Adelaide. There's an ultra marathon yeah, on. Pretty popular seems. now, aren't they? And yeah. you're in your barefoot shoes for that one. Yeah, I wore my barefoot shoes. So I wore my my Vivo barefoots. I think they were the what were they the Evos? I think they were called. And because oh, yeah. uh, there's a few different ones out there, like there's a few trail running ones that have slightly bigger lugs and stuff yeah. on them to try and give you a bit more grip. I actually found just even just the normal runners, you know, by the time your foot molds around the, you know, the rocks and the stones and whatever on the path, they actually give you so much grip. I never, the, the only time I had a tiny bit of problem with grip was when there was like a big, uh, like stone uh, part of the path. And it had moss growing on it, and it was a little bit wet. Um, and you that probably find if you, if you had like normal, yeah, you know, modern shoes on, or even completely barefoot, moss yeah. is moss, right? It's going to be yeah, exactly. I don't think anything would have dealt with that particularly well. But aside from that, it just I gripped. Every, I feel like a mountain goat. Everything just gripped really well, and uh, and so that was a, that was kind of a cool experience too. So how did you find? I mean, you said after the like completely barefoot um, city to bay run. The, yeah, like the skin and stuff felt okay. Yeah. How did you find your your joints and just muscles? Like, was there yeah. a difference to running in like shoes the previous year? Like, how did you find you pulled up after that? Yeah, I reckon I probably pulled up better. Um, it was interesting that I, I actually did in the because in the course of about I don't know four or five weeks, I did sort of three substantial runs. Um, so I'd been building up towards the Yarrabilla Ultramarathon, but I sort of I did a very atypical ultramarathon preparation because I really didn't want to become like an ultramarathon runner. You know, I, I did I actually wanted to sort of try and maintain as much functional fitness and lean muscle mass and stuff as I could. So I was only doing about one run a week, um, and that was sort of a you know anywhere between five and twenty kilometer run. Um, so up until about I think up until six weeks before the ultramarathon, I'd never run more than twenty kilometers. Um, I remember, I think, I think it was, uh, yeah, six weeks out. I reckon I did the a thirty kilometer run just along the along the Torrens here in Adelaide, and, and mm-hmm. that pulled up okay. Four weeks out, I did the Adelaide Marathon, and that was probably the one I pulled up worst from. 
Um, so that was 42 kilometers, but that was all on the road, all on the bitumen, um, okay. and that definitely made a difference. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd never done a marathon before, so I can't sort of compare and say, you know, how I would have pulled up from a marathon uh, if I'd done it in, you know, my Asics Kianos that I used to wear prior to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I did pull up a bit sore from that. Uh, but then doing the city to bay, which was the, you know, I did that about a week later. I did the city to bay. That was 12 kilometers. And yeah, I reckon I probably pulled up better from running without any shoes at all than I had from, as I said, the year previously wearing my Asics Kianos. Um, and then the ultra marathon, yeah, I pulled up really well from, it was amazing. Like having spent all that time running and up and down hills and, you know, uneven ground and all that sort of stuff. I, I pulled up far better from the ultra marathon than I did from the marathon on the road, actually, which was interesting. Um, the, the biggest it's thing funny, hey, that I find, one was just even hungry. just like a, a, a hike, right? If I if you go for a walk on the road or you know pavement versus going for a barefoot hike up through the bush, and yeah. I always feel better in the bush. It's like, well, I guess it's how we're designed to move, isn't it? Like our feet are designed to grip, and um, yeah, you know, have to to adapt and, and respond to different surfaces and textures and, and all these sorts of things that we just don't get that like from concrete or, or um, yeah yeah road. exactly and i think you know people think it's because of the concrete like they sort of say the concrete's too hard and that's what causes the problems but i'm actually not sure that that's the case i remember i had a conversation with uh, chris mcdougall as well who wrote the born to run book and uh, one of the things he said was that um you know he said well think of like in africa he said when they run on the trails in africa they've been trodden on by hooved animals for thousands and thousands of, you know, probably longer than that, years. Mm. Um, and they're very, very hard, you know, dirt paths. They're probably not really any softer than bitumen. And so his idea was it's probably actually quite natural to run on a pretty hard surface. Um, but I think the benefit you get from doing trail running um, is you get some variety. You know, it's yeah. not the exact same thing over and over again. You know, the trail goes up and down. There's some uneven ground. There's some, you know, rocks or logs you need to step over. Um, and I think that variety is much more natural to your body than just a repetitive same action over and over again. So it's probably more that it's like our feet get bored, right? Like if we're on a yeah. flat, hard surface, it's kind of the same for, I mean, if you're running, you know, for hours on end or whatever it may be, yeah. that your feet just kind of, well, and it's you're, like a you're, not having to second, you're not having to guess what the next step is. It's just, well, you know, okay, here we go again. Where if you're yeah. Yeah, in the bush or you're... Um, on sort of a more natural or even in the desert, like a hard, flat desert surface, there still will be some little grooves and things you need to respond to that um, I guess will keep the muscles a little more active and um, and ready to, yeah, to adapt to whatever is, you know, about to happen to the foot. Yeah, well, I think it's like a repetitive stress. You know, any sort of repetitive stress we do, whether it's in the workplace or at home, you know, if you do the same thing over and over again in exactly the same way, that's when it tends to start causing problems for our body. And I think a lot of that is to do with the ligamentous load where, you know, we know that if you have to maintain that load on a ligament over a period of time, you know, that's when it tends to deform the most and cause the most problems. So, you know, if you can add some more variety to that, then you're much less likely, I think, to get that same ligamentous load on the same muscle and the same ligament operating the same way all the time. Um, then I think that's you know that's a more natural way for your body to work, where it perhaps does get a little bit more variety or a little bit more rest in between um, to enable it to to recover and to keep functioning well. That's an amazing point. That's I'd never really thought of it that way because yeah, we don't. If you are on a flat surface, it will be the same ligaments um, and muscles yeah. that will kind of be the ones we just go to. 
Yeah, um, and so some of them are going to get really strong and, and you know get used a lot, mm. and then maybe some of those other muscles and, and the smaller muscles and the more intrinsic muscles and the stabilizing muscles aren't going to be used as much as they otherwise would be, and so they're so you're going to end up with imbalance essentially. Yeah, and then the weaker the intrinsics get, then the overworked ones get even more overworked. Yeah, and yeah, bingo. There's your there's your injury. Yeah. Hmm, good point, mate. See, I told you I always learn stuff from you. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> so, natural running. What What is it? What's? I mean, you've got a, a course about natural running. Yeah. You know, we've well, touched on that. Yeah, it might be to do with um, getting out of some of the supportive shoes. But like, what is natural running? Well, I, th- I think as much as anything, natural running is unlearning all the bad habits you learned along the way. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I think if you look at a, you know, if you look at a two-year-old or a, maybe not two, maybe a four-year-old run around, um, you know, I think they run pretty naturally. Mm. You know, they, they have generally a pretty good technique. And you watch them in the playground; they can run all day and they don't get tired. Right? And That's so, right. you know, part of that is because they're four and they got lots of energy and they don't have all the stresses that the rest of us have throughout the day. But part of it, I think, is because they do have a much more naturally healthy running technique. And so, you know, they haven't spent hours and hours and hours in a seated position, you know, tightening up their hip flexors and, you know, increasing their forward head posture and, and all those sort of things. You know, they haven't spent a lifetime in restrictive shoes that have, you know, decreased the mobility of their feet and ankles. Um, and so, you know, I think as much as anything, natural running is about saying, hey, do you know what? Our bodies are actually designed to run. You know, running is a very natural thing. Um, you look at some of the history of some of the persistence hunters where they would run, you know, before we developed all our clever tools and hunting techniques. We essentially just ran after stuff until they heated, overheated and passed out. Mm. And uh, and so running is a very, very natural thing. And, and so this idea that running would be bad for us or running is bad for our knees or all these sort of things, you know, I tend to think that running badly is bad for us. Yeah. Um, but, but I think running is actually quite a natural, healthy thing to do. And so it's about just getting back to that natural style. So, you know, decreasing the interference between you and the ground, maintaining a good posture whilst you're doing it, um, you know, leaning forward, using your body weight to propel you forwards rather than heel striking like, uh, like you know, Fred Flintstone and sticking the brakes on out in front of you. Um, you know, it's about just finding that very, very natural, very, very efficient um, low force technique. I mean, you know, there's some fascinating studies they've done in, you know, you can even see some of these just online where they've, you know, hooked people up to treadmills and, and actually measured the ground reaction forces going up their legs. And, you know, without any training at all, they've got them in a pair of shoes and, and they've just naturally been heel striking and, and had significant forces coming up their legs. And, and without any training at all, taking their shoes off, they naturally come into more of a midfoot strike. They naturally stand up a bit straighter, lean forward a little bit more. And actually, in spite of the fact that you've taken away all that cushioning under their heel, they're getting less force going up into their limbs. I mean, it's fascinating to see. Um, mm. But that's really what it's all about is understanding that this biomechanics, this incredibly intelligent biomechanics, this spring mechanism that exists within the foot, the shock absorbency that's naturally there when you run right, uh, is already there to take a, to take that load and to decrease that load on your body. But when you take that out and you make it easier to do it the wrong way, um, then you're much more likely to increase those forces, which I think can cause lots of problems. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about it. And we're seeing more and more of um, problems and runners getting injured. Yeah. Um, and like you just said, right? I, I agree. And I think it's because running is bad. It's because, like, yeah, exactly what you just said is that people run yeah. bad. <laughs> it's not that running Yeah, yeah. Bad. And, and you know, you've got to be careful about, you know, what claims you make around that as, uh, 
you know, Vibram found out <laughs> when they were making some health claims around their shoes. Uh, but but and the reason for that is that there's more to it than just the footwear. You know, the, you 100%. you can't just get someone who is a heel striker who's been wearing a you know big padded shoe, chuck them straight into a you know minimalist shoe, or um, you know, or even tell them to go run without any shoes at all without changing their technique, without improving the mobility and function of their feet and or improving their posture, looking at their spine and nervous system as we would with chiropractors, without addressing all those other factors and then expecting them to be able to do it naturally and healthily without causing any problems because it's a massive change and it's a massive shift and you know often there's quite a lot of lost capability in terms of posture, in terms of range of motion, in terms of flexibility um, that needs to be regained before you can do it safely. So um, it is really important to understand that it's not just about the shoes, it's about the function um, and the technique um, and that if you really want to do it, you do need to invest some time, effort and energy to getting those things right. 100%. I see it in the clinic all the time where um, people may have tried to transition to a barefoot shoe even just for day-to-day use with walking. You know, they're not doing anything yeah. too too strenuous but still get injured or develop, um, you know, corns or blisters or, or whatever it may yeah. be. And, you know, I try to explain to people, like, it's not, I mean, changing your footwear is great, yeah. but your body needs to also undergo some change to to now, like, yeah, undo all those bad habits and the same <laughs> stuff you're talking about with, with the running. Like, movement, it doesn't matter what's on our feet or, you know, how long we've been sitting, like, whatever. If we don't then put some time in to change the movement patterns and, and re-correct or, or get back to like natural movement, yep. then you're kind of asking for trouble anyway. And that's exactly what happened with um, Vibram. Yep. Initially, you know, they had all good intentions. Like the shoe, was, it's still a great shoe, the Vibram Five Fingers. You know, they're a good natural shoe. But I guess back then we just didn't quite understand or Vibram didn't. Um, maybe understand that they were missing that movement pattern part and people were going out, buying the shoe, hoping to improve their health and were just getting smashed. Yeah, because yeah. if you heel strike in a minimalist shoe, it really sucks. I don't know if you've ever tried to do it, but it's really not fun and it puts so much stress on your body. Like It's like you're getting the worst of both worlds. Uh, you haven't got that cushioning under your heel and yet you're still slamming your foot down and having all that force come up your body. And mm. and I did it. Like you know, The first time I sort of found out about this natural running idea, I was like, this sounds great. And I remember I went out because my initial my initial thought was, well, this sounds cool, and but you know some of these barefoot shoes are quite expensive, and you know, I wonder if there's really that much of a difference between like a real barefoot shoe, like a Vibram or a Vivo or one of those, versus say a pair of Dunlop volleys, you know, which are just like super cheap, super simple. Um, yeah, they don't have much structure, they don't have much support, they're they're quite thin, and so I I decided I was going to start by wearing the Dunlop volleys, and. Um, but I remember I just went straight out, straight into it. You know, I was like, all right, I've been doing this 10K loop around home, which was up in the Adelaide Hills. So it was on the road. It was a bit hilly. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to do that and see how I go. Um, and then I did my 10K run. The cool thing was I did it five minutes. I, I tried to go slow because I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to hurt myself. So I thought I'll just take it easy first time. Um, I did the run five minutes faster than what I've been doing it previously, which blew me away. Um, and I thought, this is fantastic. Um, and then the next day I couldn't walk. My calves were so <laughs> shot that I was just in absolute agony. And I reckon it took me about four or five days for my calves to settle down. 
which just goes to show, you know, that those calves just weren't used to that load. They weren't used to stretching that far without the extra inch under my heel that would have come from my previous runners. Um, you know, it was just a totally different movement. And, you know, I, I was probably eccentric. lucky that it was just my calves because yeah. they healed up all right. But, you know, you can easily do damage to the joints and, and to other structures as well, which can take even longer to heal. Oh, definitely. But it's even like the difference in heel striking to forefoot running or in more natural type running patterns is you're going to be eccentrically loading that calf and Achilles a lot more and, and yeah. using that elastic energy to then propel forward versus hitting the heel, breaking, and then having to essentially wind everything up and push forward. Um, yeah. It's a completely different movement, so I'm not surprised your calves are sore. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, the, wasn't my finest moment, but, uh, no, we, but it's we been a good need, learning. We need good these guinea pigs like you, right? Yeah, that's right. It's been a good teaching tool over the years teach. for me to say, hey, this is what I did, so don't do that. Right. And this is how you do it wrong and uh, and learn from my uh, learn from my errors so you don't do the same thing. So pretty much any idea I have now, I'll just run it by you, get you to do it, and then let me know if it works yeah. or not. Yeah, it, it, that would probably work because I'm a sucker for trying something new. So I'm, I'm always willing to try and fail. You know, uh, that's, that's just a bit of a habit of mine is just to, well, let's try it and see. What, as long as it philosophically makes sense to me, I'll, uh, I'll generally give it a go and see if it works. All right, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so is natural running for everyone, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think there's, um, I think there's limitations that you need to be aware of. Like I think, you know, some people with uh, probably you know congenital anomalies or you know arthritis or you know um, even chronic diseases. You know, I, th- I think if you've got, for example, like a diabetic neuropathy and you've got no feeling in your feet, then going to a more minimalist shoe, um, you know, where you might be putting your feet in slightly more danger, you know, might not be the way to go. Or if you've got arthritic damage there. You know, it might be that actually because of the damage that's done, having some sort of help and support and uh, you know, arch support or even an orthotic might be the way to go for you. Um, so I, I, I certainly think there's people in that boat. Uh, I think you know, I think it's probably maybe 10, 5 or 10% of the population. You know, I think for the vast majority of people, uh, barefoot walking, barefoot running can be for them. Um, but even within that 90%, you, know, you, you need to have the willingness to do the work as well. So Whilst I think that 90% can do it, uh, I probably wouldn't say that 90% should do it <laughs> because yeah. there's probably a fair chunk of that 90% who just don't want to um, you know, work on their foot mobility or don't want to work on their running technique to that extent uh, or don't want to go and see a good podiatrist or go and see a good chiropractor to make sure that they've you know, undone those uh, inflexibilities and immobilities and joint dysfunctions that exist as a result of you know our modern lifestyle, mm. uh, and so those people, it's probably not for them either. You know that you need to be willing to put in the work to to do it right and to make it work for you. Um, so, you know, I don't know what percentage that leaves, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I, I definitely think the majority of the people can do it if they want to do it. Uh, but it's just a matter of whether you're willing to sort of do the work to make it work. Yeah, definitely, and I, and I think too having a willingness to look at your lifestyle, right? Like there's all these yeah. things in our modern lifestyle that can cause these um, like negative habits and, you know, doing exercises and, and things to help counterbalance it is one thing and it's is good. Yeah. But like real change also comes from, you know, looking at, so say sitting is causing your hip flexor issue. Yeah. And it's like, well, can I actually reduce the amount of time I sit? each yep. day because then the exercises they do will probably actually work better and, and last Absolutely. longer. So there's also a willingness and it's like everything, right? It's like 
whether it's um, diet, whether it's like whatever it is you're looking at, the common theme I keep seeing is that it is about creating a lifestyle out of it, um, you know, and and making change to to get back to more natural living rather than just counterbalancing the bad things we're doing. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. You can eat bad food and go and get medication to help with that. And, you know, it may work for some people, but, you know, real change happens when you, like, change what you're eating, get back to natural foods or with movement, get back to more natural movements and trying to decrease the amount of unnatural movements you do through the day or unnatural things like footwear or, um, like, heavy backpacks or a bag on one side, whatever it may be, just being more aware of things that change how we move is a really important factor as well and, and will help your running improve um, long-term as well by changing those things. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. And I think by the same token, you know, you don't want that to be, a, I guess, a demotivating factor for people to get started. Like I, I think for anyone to just go out and spend a little bit more time with their shoes off or, you know, just spend a little bit more time doing some work on maybe their running technique or some barefoot running or whatever it happens to be, I think is a great thing regardless. And, um, you know, I I don't want people to think that that don't bother unless you're going to go change everything, you know, because you don't want that to be, as as I said, a demotivating factor either where they think, well, I'm not going to change everything, so there's no point starting. Um, You know, one of the things you tend to find is when you do start taking a slightly more natural approach, you know, for example, you get out and start walking around in your bare feet just a little bit in the backyard and you think, this actually feels really nice and then you feel good afterwards and then, you know, that tends to make you more motivated to want to maybe think, well, maybe I could do a few stretches or some exercises mm, or yeah. you know, maybe I don't want to undo this good feeling by going and sitting at my desk for eight hours at, at a time without getting up and moving and stretching or you know, maybe I will get a standing desk so that I can you know, keep this good feeling going a little bit longer or whatever it is. So mm. you know, understand, I think, that you don't have to change everything all at once. It can be a transition. It can be a slow process, but you know, each of those little steps you take um, does make a difference and does help out. Well, it's a journey, right? Like, and I guess you and I are still on this journey. You constantly keep finding yeah. just little things you want to change or that make you feel better and you want to do more of. And it's just yeah. this constant journey of, yeah, how can I make my body um, function better and feel better, you know? And yeah. So, yeah, you're right. The the, the journey kind of leads itself once um, once you start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, you know, I've been sort of on this journey for 10 years now. You know, I started doing all my training barefoot. I, I get around all the time. I, I basically don't have any shoes now that, that – aside from when I'm at home and I'm chainsawing, I've got some, you know, steel cap boots that I wear. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't wear the probably, barefoot probably shoes Probably a good choice. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but aside from that, pretty much all the time I'm in my barefoot shoes, you basically, you know, 99% of the time. and. But there's still stuff that I'm working on and improving. As I said to you earlier, I've I've really noticed in the last little bit that I've still got a bit of that contracture in my big toe. And it's really shown up for me at the moment because I've started doing this thing called ROMWOD, which is like a kind of yoga practice for CrossFitters. And uh, and I'm doing that each day. And, and you know, part of the yogic movement is is you know just being able to sit down on your feet. Yeah. Um, and I'm really noticing that I'm finding that incredibly challenging because of this contracture in my big toe. Uh, is that it's actually really uncomfortable and really awkward for me. So, um, you know, but I kind of see that and I'm like, oh, good. Here's the next thing I can work on. Like, how good is this? Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm sitting on my feet every day now, you know, doing these ROM wads and, uh, 
and it feels really good. Like I feel like I'm actually, uh, you know, that it's the right thing to do and it's making some change and improvement. So I'll have to check in with you later, Paul, to see whether that's true or not. But but it does feel right and it, it, I'm kind of excited. Like I sort of get these challenges and get excited by the thought that there's something else I can keep working on and keep improving upon. And uh, and I love that. I love that it's a journey, not a destination. And I love keeping on working on it. So, um, yeah, there's always something you can change and improve. 100%. So for people out there that, I mean, may want to start running more natural, but maybe there's some people out there that, you know, running isn't their thing. Let's even just talk about some of the barefoot movement, right? Like walking, like you mentioned before. Yeah. From a chiropractic point of view, yeah. I'd love to hear your opinion on um, sort of modern, you know, raised heeled shoes versus barefoot shoes and even yeah. being completely barefoot. And I've spoken about it before from a like podiatry point of view, but I'd yeah. love to hear your opinion on, yeah, footwear. Like why have you gone to minimalist shoes? What do you think some of the benefits are for like our body, for our spine, for yeah. for whatever? Like what, take it away. What's yeah, What's well, I mean, benefits? there's lots of benefits. I mean, obviously, as a chiropractor, we primarily primarily focus on the spine and the nervous system because, you know, the, the reason we look at the spine is because we're interested in the nervous system and, and whether that dysfunction in the spine is interfering with the nervous system and thereby affecting your overall health. And so, um, you know, when you look at it, as soon as you put a heel lift in, I mean, everyone's probably seen one of those infographics or so everyone knows what happens if you wear a pair of high heels, which is that it elevates your heel, it, you know, accentuates your calves, it... Um, it increases the lumbar lordosis. So, you know, girls like that because it makes, puts a bit of arch in their back and makes their bum look bit better, um, or, you know, objectively better according to modern standards. Anyway, you know, that's always a um, – but, but the reality is that what that's doing is it's changing your posture uh, yeah. and it is increasing your lumbar lordosis. You're putting increased pressure on your lower back. Um, it's putting increased pressure on your ankles and your knees and your hips. Um, and so from a chiropractic point of view, that's not good because that, that is going to put extra pressure on your spine and nervous system. It's going to create stress there. It's likely to create dysfunction there. Um, and so when your spine's not functioning well, your nervous system is getting interfered with. You know, that interferes with your body's ability to stabilize. It interferes with your balance and coordination. Um, obviously, it leaves you more susceptible to injury, both from a biomechanical and a neurological point of view. Um, but also, once again, that neurological interference then can affect how all the rest of the cells, tissues, organs, and glands being controlled by that nervous system are being uh, affected as well. Um, and then also, you know, understanding proprioception. You know, we understand that that feedback to your brain about where your body is in space, not only is it important for preventing you from getting injured, um, it's actually really important for de-stressing your brain. Um, and so when those proprioceptive messages go back to your brain, they help your brain release dopamine and serotonin. Uh, which helps your body de-stress. And, and we all know that in our modern world, many of us are chronically stressed. We have that stress response switched on all the time, um, which means that our sympathetic nervous system is switched on all the time. Um, we're stuck in that fight or flight response. Our parasympathetic nervous system then doesn't tend to work so well. So that's our you know, reproductive function, our digestive function, our hormonal balance, our inflammatory response. You know, we're seeing a lot of chronic disease. We're seeing a lot of chronic inflammation um, and all of this can be at least in part influenced by that proprioceptive feedback back to your brain. So, you know, having less between your feet and the ground is important because the soles of your feet are a big uh, source of that proprioceptive feedback. Um, you know, walking on uneven ground and, and getting some diversity in that feedback is really important. Um, and also, once again, because that affects the function of your spine, you know, your spine is where 80% of that proprioceptive feedback comes from. 
Um, so if your spine isn't functioning well, then you're also not getting that feedback and not de-stressing the way you should be as well. So, you know, there's a myriad of reasons why um, altering your posture in that way to an unnatural position uh, puts stress on your spine and nervous system and, and can really affect not just your feet, not just your ankles, but your, your overall spine, your overall nervous system, and, and therefore really the entirety of your health. It's really that important. Mm. And with joints and, and, and bones, and that's obviously be part of what you also do, how important is, is it for joints to be centrated or you know, aligned through the whole body? Yeah, well, it's crucial. I mean, your body is, once again, your body is designed to be that way. So, you know, from a from a front to back view, you want your spine to be nice and straight uh, and to be, because that's the best, you know, biomechanically, that's the best position for it to be in and in order to avoid wear and tear. I mean, you can just think of that like a car where its wheels are out of alignment. You know, you know that that wears and tears more than it should. And and your body's no different. If it's out of alignment, then it's not going to wear and tear the way that it should. Uh, and then from a side-on view, you'll want to see the retention of those nice curves. So that, that curve back in your lower back, that curve forward in your mid-back, that curve back in your neck. And, and they should be nice, smooth, even curves because if the curve is accentuated in any position, then that's going to put that area under more pressure. It's going to cause more mm-hmm. dysfunction. It's going to cause more nerve interference. It's going to cause more wear and tear. So um, you know, maintaining those nice even curves is really important. Um, those curves also give your spine some shock absorbency. So rather than just having those vertebra bashing straight down on top of each other, that nice curvature in your spine creates almost a spring effect. So that when you do have forces coming up through your spine, it enables it to absorb that a little bit better as well, and to absorb that shock and and dissipate it more evenly throughout your body. So. Um, the alignment of your spine is really important, as I said, particularly because of the effect that it has on your nervous system, uh, which ultimately controls every cell, tissue, organ, and gland in your body. But what about um, alignment in the in the feet as well? So, and I'm thinking more forefoot. So a lot yeah. of modern shoes are quite uh, tight in the front. Yeah, and will pull the toes um, inwards, sort of hugging each other, where they should be uh, more yeah. splayed. Do you yeah. think? From a, even a neurological point of view, having the toes squished together out of alignment could also um, bring on some of those effects like we might yeah. see from the Ab- spine? Absolutely, because because any joint that's not functioning properly, that's not moving properly, uh, particularly if it's restricted motion, which is what you're talking about there, is going to then have decreased proprioceptive feedback back to the brain. So it's going to affect the function of your nervous system. It's going to affect your overall health. Um, so Anything that restricts that movement in that way is definitely going to have an impact. Um, and also, you know, those changes that happen in your feet, you know, aren't just isolated to your feet. You know, if, if your feet are really, you know, rolling in, then then your knees are going to tend to follow. You know, you're then going to tend to increase that lumbar lordosis. You know, it, it really does affect the whole way up the chain. So, you know, we often talk about the idea that, um, you know, you get crooked foundations, you can end up with cracks in the ceiling. And, and you see that in practice. You know, you can see people who have, uh, restricted toes, uh, and you might, and it might be, you might adjust their toes and see a reduction in their headaches. Uh, you know, so you you see these global effects of what's happening in people's bodies, where what's happening right down the bottom can potentially affect, you know, the whole way up as well. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, fascinating. I saw um, a, a chiropractor um, that I'm friends with did some work on this um, on this person that was doing like single leg balance testing they started mucking around and yeah. one side was a little bit off um bit of an asymmetry there so before we did anything else like 
you know, no adjusting, no queuing, like nothing. Literally just got this guy on his belly on the table and started scraping away at the foot, just creating sensory input um, into the side that was, um, that had less um, balance and probably scraped away for a couple of minutes. We didn't, you know, it wasn't that much. But that couple of minutes of just putting sensation into that foot actually yep. improved the balance. It was insane. Fascinating. It blew me away, you know. It's just, we just don't, I guess, you know, up until more recently, like there's obviously a growing um, a growing interest in feet, but for a long time we've always seen the feet as something we stick in shoes and as long as they're supported with a shoe and have a nice yep. cushioning, they'll be okay. But it's really starting to become evident that, you know, these things on our end of our legs are really important to, to yep. finish off that global um, circuit and link, I guess, to, to help the whole body, um, like Absolutely. you just mentioned, with, with all those healthy things. Well, you know what blows me away is, is to think that, you know, some of these chiropractors, you know, chiropractors started in 1895, and to think that all that time ago, these chiropractors had that understanding of the nervous system and how it impacted on global health and, um, and you know, how important this feedback from the body back to the brain and from the brain out to the body was. Um, to think that they're just like so far ahead of their time and, mm. and that now all this information and research is coming out basically saying, hey, guys, guess what? You were right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is phenomenal to think just how far ahead of their time they were. It's, it's pretty cool. But I guess it's hard to see, right? Like, you know, you yeah. strengthen a muscle, or you, you stretch a joint or something and it's, it's kind of easier to measure and see. But a lot of yeah. the neurological stuff, it's really hard to to measure or has been hard to well, measure I, in the past. I think that's hard. true with most most things in wellness where, you know, if you're talking about wellness as opposed to just dealing with a symptom, yes. you know, dealing with a symptom is easy to measure because the symptom's there or the symptom's not. But, but if you're talking about more subtle changes and more global changes, you know, uh, you adjust someone's spine and, and you don't really know what impact that's going to have on their body because it depends on, you know, what nerve interference was happening, what part of the body was dysfunctioning. You know, there, there's a whole raft of changes that can happen as a result of that. And so, um, you know, if you're just looking at, you know, the typical researchers which are saying, well, if I adjust here, does it remove their headaches? You're, you're missing out on a whole raft of other potential changes that might be going on when you do that adjustment. And, you know, it's the same with diet. You know, if all we look at is, how much water do I have to drink to prevent myself from getting kidney disease? Then we're missing out on a whole bigger part of the picture mm. if we're talking about sort of a cost-benefit analysis of the benefits of actually drinking water, which are far beyond just A plus B equals C because it impacts on the entirety of the body. So, you know, anytime we're looking at a more wellness-focused approach, it, it does become harder to measure and harder to get a um, a handle on just how much of an effect it's having. I mean, you would probably see the same thing as me in, in practice, which is that you know, it's always easier for people to get why they're coming in for care when they've got symptoms. Oh, yeah. uh, but sometimes once those symptoms are gone, um, being able to maintain that um, functional approach and to understand that even beyond those symptoms, there can be dysfunction there, which if not dealt with can cause bigger problems and more problems and, and even you know problems that they're not feeling right now. Um, it's harder to it's harder for people to get their head around that because it's not as obvious, it's not as straightforward and, and you know noticeable as you know my head hurts or my foot hurts. Mm. And so um, I do think it is important to uh, you know for people to have to have a different way of thinking about their health, which is that you know just because you're not necessarily feeling a change doesn't mean it's it's not changing, and that actually function is far more important than symptoms. But I guess we've been conditioned to think that way for so long with. You know, I mean, pharmaceutical companies yeah. are a prime example. It's easier yeah, yeah. with scare tactics and 
and to condition you to where you've got this pain, you go and give this treatment or take this medication. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's harder to prove and that's that's where the barefoot stuff can um, can sometimes look like it has less research in that, yeah, you take an orthotic stay, it's really easy to measure. Well, I put that in your shoe, your pain's gone down X percent. That happened with X amount of people. Okay, orthotics work. Where you start you know, putting exercises or, or something else into the mix um, and taking shoes away, then you've got a whole lot of other factors that you're trying to work through. So, you know, it might yeah. not be the feet. It could be diet. It could be um, a shoulder injury that's affecting the foot. But, yeah, it is just hard to measure. But it's Absolutely. And, but, you know, having said that, when I started my barefoot journey, one of the things we did was measure my navicular drop. Yeah. Um, and I know that for me, my navicular drop improved by about uh, a centimeter um, over awesome. the course of the first, I don't know, six to 12 months, I would say it was. Um, so, you know, you can still see some tangible benefits, but once again, that's because we were looking at function. You know, it wasn't about does my foot hurt or does my knee hurt? It was about, well, how's the body functioning and are we seeing functional changes, which is what we're seeing, which was really cool. I wish I had measured more when I started, like even around like what I can feel, but I didn't measure it. So it's obviously again hard to prove, but my toe spread has just naturally, I haven't done too much work on it. Yeah. Um, It's just naturally over the last few years um, is crazy. The amount of, the, the more control I have over my toes now is insane. My glutes, yeah. my glutes fire so much better and and quicker. Balance is better. Like it's, I used to get a yeah. lot of knee pain. Sh- and that's all gone. But I so wish I had pictures of what my toes looked like before because they oh, were really same. quite gross. And uh, it would have made a great before and after picture for you because it really was. It's a pretty graphic change. But um, but I don't have them unfortunately, so I can't show you. We'll just have to draw one. Yeah, <laughs> a reenactment. So um, for for people wanting to get into this natural running and learn more. Yeah. Where can we start? How can we, you know, take some safe steps yeah. um, toward? And first, actually, before we even take some safe steps, is it about literally getting our shoes off and running? Like, there's obviously more to it than just that, right? Like, it's it's not a matter yeah. of doing it slowly. That there's there's drills and exercises, right? To to yeah, help absolutely. This. I mean, there's stuff you can do to help look at, you know, changing your posture. Um, there's stretches you can do to help regain some mobility. Um, obviously, if you've got joint dysfunction or you know specific your know, muscle or ligamentous issues, then then seeing a podiatrist like yourself is fantastic to help uh, along the process. And I would recommend everyone really do that uh, as part of a transition they want to do into some barefoot running or barefoot walking or whatever it is. Is is get that you know function assessed. Um, and uh, but yeah, and and then a matter of just it is partly a matter of getting your shoes off. I mean, you might not be getting your shoes off to run straight away, but yeah, I think getting your shoes off and just having a little bit of a walk around the backyard in your bare feet is, uh, you know, a great spot to start as well. So it's a little bit of both. You know, there's there's some stretching and some exercises you can do. There's some postural work you can do. Um, you know, if there is some postural dysfunction there, then it's likely uh, get, seeing a good chiropractor is going to really help with that and help you get that technique right as well. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned some of the resources before. You know, there's books out there from Danny Dreyer. There's books out there from Kelly Starrett, which are awesome. Um, and then we've got the video course, which is obviously a really comprehensive way of putting all of those different bits of information together, um, as well as giving some really practical video demonstrations so you can actually see what it looks like and, 
and how to do it and um, you know what it looks like even before and after of various different runners so you can see the differences and the changes and you can even you can even hear the differences and changes of people yeah. with their footfall and how it hits the ground um, so you know that is uh, the art of natural running which is my e-course and uh, no doubt you'll have some links in the show notes to that uh, as far as how people can go about getting access to that as well definitely and and you can also find that on drbretthill.com, yeah? That's the one. Yeah, but I everything, everything I do, there. get there. Yeah, so if you want to... And, and what about your social media, mate? Where can people reach out to you while we're, while yep, we're talking yep. about so where to I'm find on, you? Uh, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. So you can find me. Uh, I'm just Dr. Brett Hill on both. Uh, so Instagram, just all one word. Um, Facebook with the spacing in there, Dr. Brett Hill. Um, and obviously... Uh, the Wellness Couch is the podcast network, so you can find that at thewellnesscouch.com and also, once again, The Wellness Couch on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and my new podcast show that I'm doing now, which is called This Week in Wellness, you can find on Facebook and Instagram as well. So, um, and, and obviously also on The Wellness Couch podcast network and on any uh, you know good podcast app with, that you've got, um, you can search This Week in Wellness and find me there as well for just a quick five-minute update of sort of the latest research and news in health and wellness each week. You are everywhere, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it would be hard not to find you. Yeah, but yeah I recommend... that, that answer could have gone for way longer as well. I've, <laughs> I've got other books, and but you find it all at drbretthill.com, so check it out there. Yeah, definitely check it out. There's um, some great books there. Yeah, the, the e-course is amazing. Um, I was on, on that as well, so if you want to hear me ramble on about uh, feed in some of my takes on natural running and, and jump on and listen to that. There's also um, on Brett's website, you can find the Barefoot Athlete um, ebook, isn't it? E-book? Yep. Yep. With, um, yep. With Kim Morrison, which I'm pretty sure you can still download for free, can't you? I believe you can. I haven't actually checked that, but that should be there. Yes. Um, I'm sure last time yeah, I checked that's on there. it was. So that is, that is on there yeah, as a free download, so you can to... get in and get that, which is actually is a, probably the best spot to start. That's a really nice simple introduction for people so yeah i was going to say yeah. it'd be a nice nice little uh intro for people wanting to take more of a barefoot approach and then yeah Definitely. by all means jump on and, and check out the art of natural running course i mean brett i could talk to you all day i love talking to you and ah, <laughs> oh, there's always so many questions i'll have to get you back on but i think we managed to fill our 20 minutes didn't we what's that i said i think we managed to fill our 20 minutes didn't we you did you've smashed the 20 <laughs> minute mark <It's- laughs> See, I told you you'd have some stuff to say. <laughs> and um, we've also got the Wellness um, base, wellness Couch Base Camp coming up. And there's a few around. I'm talking at the one in Newcastle, which Brett just reminded me will be this weekend. Hey. So if you haven't already and if there is still tickets available, you should come along, have a chat to Brett. Um, I'll be there if you want to have a chat to me. Um, it'll be a great event. So definitely jump on and have a look at that. But I've learned a lot from today. I hope you guys have too. If you have questions, please feel free to um, reach out to me and ask. And I can, if they're if they're good questions, I can pass them on to, to Brett if I don't have the answers. <laughs> oh, they're all they're all good questions. But um, but I'm sure you guys would have enough questions to to try and um, get Brett back on at some point too, because he's a wealth of information. Um, like I said, I love chatting to him. So, yeah, any chance I can get to get him back on here, I will. Yeah. So, if you have questions, make sure you reach out. But nice. thanks again, mate. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining uh, more about natural running and and about footwear. I, I really appreciate. It. I love I love your take on it. 
Too easy, mate. Anytime. So thank you for that. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.